Just a friendly reminder that if you wish to support the ministries of this podcast or of the local church in which I serve, you may send any donations to 503 Shenandoah Road, Brandon, Mississippi, 39047. So, there are two words in the English language that I am almost certain no one likes to hear. They are the words of change and transition. And for many of us, we find ourselves in a season of change or transition, and it can be scary. Or, And it's oftentimes not even something that we choose for ourselves, but something that happens beyond our own circumstances. Something that is thrusted upon us. And that's what we see in our scriptures this morning. Just to give you a brief overview, as we're going to be diving into Exodus chapter 16, beginning with the first verse, just a brief overview of kind of what has happened in Exodus up until this point. Exodus gets its name from the nation of Israel's mass immigration from Egypt, and this book follows Israel out of Egypt and into the wilderness, where the nation becomes specifically aligned with God as opposed to the idols of Egypt and the surrounding nations. It's, it's a story of the people in the wilderness seeking after the promised land. But this book is a book of transition. It's a book of, of change. In Exodus chapters 1 and 2, we pick up where Genesis leaves off with the young nation of Israel in Egypt. And a new Pharaoh has come and notices that the Israelites are multiplying and out of fear of them trying to overthrow his government of an uprising, he enslaves them. And then goes so forth as to say that all Hebrew sons must be cast into the Nile River at their birth. But one baby, as we hear throughout the book, goes and escapes this fate. It is Moses who finds himself growing up in the Pharaoh's household. And I challenge you to go and read the beginning of Exodus to see how all of this plays out. But then we go into 40 years later. God appears to Moses in a burning bush and sends him to deliver his people from the, land of, from the hand of Pharaoh. And Moses, with the help of his brother Aaron, confronts Pharaoh on God's behalf. And he says, in Exodus 5, he says, Let my people go. Yet Pharaoh, out of fear, refuses. And God sends ten plagues upon the Egyptians. And the last plague kills Pharaoh's son. And so he finally allows Israel to leave. So the Israelites celebrate. They have their first Passover. And then they set out into the wilderness. But it's not long after they leave that Pharaoh changes his mind and sends his army to recapture him, them. And uh, this is where we see that miraculous parting of the Red Sea, allowing Israel to escape their would-be captors. And then we see the sea close up and wash away the Pharaoh's army. And the Israelites are on their way. They're making their way into the Promised Land. And it's amidst this journey of change and transition that we hear our text from Exodus chapter 16, beginning in verse 1, where it says, The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the fifteenth day of the second month, 
after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. And then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in. And that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites in the evening, You will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard you your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? And it goes on to tell this story of how God provided even amidst the wilderness. And this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, Exodus is a story of transition and change. And while change and transition can be scary and frustrating, and even at times angering, my hope is that throughout this sermon and throughout this time of transition that we may find ourselves, that we can embrace the belief and the concept and the idea that here is holy. That where we find ourselves, whether it be for uh, talking about in our relationships, our jobs, our physical location, or even our current context, that we may embrace the belief, the understanding that even here is holy. Uh, it's my hope that our hearts, our eyes, our minds will be open to that. That we can develop a, a sense of, of sacred suspicion that suspicion that no matter what's going on, no matter how bad things may get, no matter our circumstances, that we may be suspicious about the fact that God is at work. Or as I've said many of times, that our circumstances do not define God. But in letting our sacred suspicion point us to the reality that God is at work, and that can change how we define our circumstances. That God does, God, that our circumstances don't define who God is, but through the lens of God being at work, we may view our circumstances differently. But the issue at hand is that we always, well, I can say I always, find myself talking about looking forward to planning for the future, waiting to get there. I'm like the Israelites. When are we going to get to where we are going? Waiting to be there. Because I'm not okay being here. But and we find ourselves so enveloped in the, in the future that we can't embrace the here and now. We're too busy looking forward. Well, when we get there, and, and this is like a small child whenever I go on vacation. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And not in being able to enjoy the journey that is because I'm so caught up on getting to the destination. Or the opposite may be true, that we have those things in our past that we want to leave behind. Or, or we become so defined by our past. You know, this is where we hear those things of, oh, well, you know what they did. And people become defined by things that they did in their past. Or we find ourselves, the, the flip of that coin, dwelling in the glory days 
We remember the, the, the past fondly. And there's nothing wrong with remembering fondly. But it's when we allow ourselves to dwell there. Like the Israelites said, couldn't we just go back when we had pots of meat in Egypt? And they lose sight of the fact that they were enslaved in Egypt. And, and I think this happens so often that when we remember things, we remember the good parts about it. But so often we have a tendency to block out the bad parts. And for many of us, if we were honest about our glory days, they weren't so glorious at all. But all of this can keep us from embracing the here and the now and knowing the facts that here is holy. If we're not careful, we can begin to live for the then and the there and not living in the here. While none of us would want to be in the wilderness, none of us would consciously put ourselves there, none of us like, as we've mentioned, the idea of transition or change or even the unknown, we must admit that for many of us, we spend the majority of our lives in the wilderness, somewhere between then and there. We spend our lives in the here, in the now. We spend our lives between the glory days and where we are striving to be. We're like the Israelites. We're, we're between Egypt and the then and the promised land and the there. And we find ourselves here. Right in the middle of then and there. And if we're honest, here can be annoying. If you're like me and you're impatient, you can lose faith, you can lose hope. You can find yourself wanting to get out of here beginning to wonder where God is in all of this we can become so obsessed with the there or with the then that we don't learn to enjoy the here here in the wilderness is not often where we would want ourselves to be if we were to draw up our own plans if we were to be able to live into our own hopes and dreams we wouldn't want to be here we would want to be there or then but for many of us being in the wilderness is simply our current reality and we need to accept it even if it's not ideal it is reality we are remembering our past, we're looking to the future, but let us not fail to embrace the now. Because this is where we are. Finding ourselves in the wilderness. But, as we've mentioned, we must look around and seek to understand that here is holy. And it's my prayer that if just for this moment, God can quiet our spirits of those anxieties, those fears, those worries that dwell within us. That we may, if just for a moment, put everything else on hold and just be present in the here and the now. I heard a phrase a few weeks ago as I was sitting with some clergy friends, and it was the power of the pause. And sometimes we just need to take a moment and we get so caught up in doing that we just need to take a moment and pause. Center ourselves. I take that moment to say, God, Reveal yourself to me. Reveal your will. Reveal your way to me. Because if we don't embrace the power of Paul's, the power of silence in our lives, then we may lose sight that God is here with us. And that not only is God with us, that He's been here the whole time. 
And this is what the Israelites begin to realize as God shows up and begins to move, as God begins to provide manna and the quail from heaven, that they begin to realize that God is closer than they ever thought He was. They need to, and perhaps we need to hear those words from Psalm 139 where it says these words, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall shall hold me fast. No matter where we go, what this psalmist is reminding us, God is present there. God is present here. Even in the midst of our transition, our change, our fear, our anxieties, our worries, in the midst of our wilderness, God is here. And therefore, here is holy. This is the type of love that God has for us, that God refuses to give up or relent on us. God's love never stops. As the song says, God's love is reckless in our own human understanding. That even in our wilderness, God is here, moving in and with us. So I keep saying that here is holy, and maybe to open our eyes and our hearts and our minds to this, we need to be present and we need to know what is it that God is doing here. And I think we can look at that and see through it, through the lens of what God was doing for the Israelites. God is preparing. Preparing us, preparing our future, preparing a way because we have a purpose. We know this because the scriptures promise us this. We, we must not do things here, or we must rather do things here before we can go there. There are things that need to be done in preparation for where we are hoping to go. But the sad part is, is so often we lose sight of even how, of what we have to do to get there because here's what happens. We all want those promises of God, but, but few want to endure the pain. We all want the opportunities that God promises that, and, and we seek them, but we don't want the obstacles. We all want the blessing of God, but few want the burden. And so this is why we don't embrace here and just say, can I just be done with all of that and get there? But sometimes you have to go through some things to get to some things. You have to go through the pain, through the obstacles, through the burden to get to God's promises, opportunities, and blessings. And the adversity that we face here shapes us for the opportunities that will come when we get there. So God is preparing us. God is leading us as well. God is with the Israelites as we hear in our text. And God is with us. That that so often we find ourselves getting caught up in the fact that God is infinite. That God is all-encompassing. But God is also intimate. God is here. God's hand is upon us. God is guiding and leading us even now. So God gives us presence, preparation. But he also gives us a promise. And we hear these promises throughout Scripture that God is here today. And God will not leave nor forsake you. And God has a plan even amidst the chaos that is our world. That if we put our trust and our hope in Him, if we believe as Moses believed that we are standing on holy ground, when we are at that place known as here, when we are here, Let us become more aware 
that God is here with us, and that God is up to something. Open our eyes, our hearts, and our mind, O oh God, that we may see your hand at work, and that we will see the miracles of everyday life happening right in front of us that we may not get so caught up in the then and the there, but that we may embrace the everlasting truth that you are here with us. And if you are here with us, then being here, even in times of transition, chaos and change, anxiety, fear and worry, we may trust that here is holy. Amen and amen.